Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. Our goal on this podcast is to make real life simple. Today, we'll be continuing our conversation talking about facing the dark room and specifically in your 40s and 50s, maybe some in your 30s too. How do we deal with the dark room many call the midlife crisis? Welcome to the Rusty George Podcast. All right, this is Brad Williams, and welcome to the Rusty George Podcast. Today, Rusty and I will be talking about a recent message series called The Dark Room. But before we get to that, we're going to tackle a few questions from our listeners. All right, um, guys, thank you so much for sending your questions in. I know we ask you each week to do so, and this is a result of that. So my first question, Rusty, is uh, from last week. I'm in my 20s and not yet sure about a career. How important is a career versus a job? Wow, that's a great question. And I think you hear a lot of people frustrated with jobs, desirous of another career. And they want to be a career in music or a career in art or a career in technology or whatever it is. Um, I would say that you have to start with the job until you find the career. Start working, start learning. Uh, Some of the jobs that I had in high school, they seemed so trivial at the time, but I still learned and I still pulled stuff from them. So I would say that the career obviously is more important. That's what it is you want to be about. But your job is often a stepping stone to get you there. Always be learning, always be working hard, get to work early, stay late, don't ask off, and you're going to get somewhere, even if it's not the career that you had anticipated, but it may be the career that you actually wanted. All right. I love it. Um, Question number two, I'm in my late 20s and questioning God's will. How do I know what he wants me to do? Well, we have to look at two different things. There's God's general will, and then there's God's specific will. God's general will for your life is for you to love people the way that Jesus did. That's his will for everybody's life. His will for you is to be grateful, is to be thankful, is to be a person that demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit. That's his general will for every living living human being, because that's when we find our life to our fullest. Then there are moments of his specific will. And I think this can change. I think there are seasons you go through where he wants you to be behind the scenes and then sometimes out you know, in front of everybody. There are seasons where you'll be um, a, a parent of toddlers and obviously they grow up and then they move out. Now, does your, does your purpose now change? No, it's just your path that has changed. And so when you're looking for God's will, I would start with your purpose which is to love people the way that Jesus did. And then along the way, you'll discover God's specific will for your life. As Rich Mullins used to say, if God wants to get you to Egypt, he may have to have your brothers sell you into slavery to get you there. And obviously he's referencing the Joseph story, but in your situation, in my situation, I think we both say, boy, I I don't think I'd ever thought I'd be where I am today, but in the words of country music, I think it's the first time I've quoted that here. God bless a broken road that led me straight to you. Come on, Brad. You know you love that song. That's yeah, good. That, that, that's all right. I, I don't know <laughs> but I think a lot of it is you just keep walking and God gets you where he wants you to go. That's right. That's good. That's good. All right. So that's a good segue. Um, this is week two, like I said before, of the dark room. So we're going to be talking about midlife crisis. 
Um, so, so far in the teaching series, uh, we've talked about Paul, David, and Joseph. All these guys dealt with midlife crisis and changes. Is that correct, Rusty? That is correct. So what, um, and especially when it comes to, I mean, I, I like all three of these guys, but, you know, David went through some stuff in his midlife. <laughs> um, when it comes to midlife crisis, you know, what what's for us to expect from God? Like, how do we handle that? How do we do better in some instances than David or Paul or um, Joseph? Yeah, I think um, one of the dangers that we have, I was reading this yesterday, is that pain and pleasure are touch points of reality. When you experience those things, it's like the blinders come off and you're no longer numb to everything, but you either have pleasure or you have pain. And it's like, oh, this is, this is real life. And that's a good thing. That's a bad thing. It's a good thing because it wakes you up. It's a bad thing because we think we have to live in it. And you see people do that when they get consumed with the pleasure of life and they just think we need more pleasure and more pleasure and more pleasure. And unfortunately, it begins to have diminishing returns. The same thing is true for those that like to live in pain. And no one says, I want to live in pain. But sometimes there are those of us that just think my destiny is to always be a victim, is to always be offended. You know, what is it Jesus says about uh, that one particular town? He says, I couldn't do any miracles there. Now think about that for a second. Jesus says something he can't do because they were offended by him. This was his hometown. And he was amazed at their lack of faith and how they were offended by him. And thus he didn't perform miracles. We get stuck in that victim mentality. We stop seeing God work in our life. The three people we've talked about so far, Paul is a guy that had a radical conversion. And then really, we don't hear from him again for about 10 years. Most people don't think about that. They think about Paul, the road to Damascus, and then a couple pages later, he's sharing the gospel. Well, that took about 10 years right. for that to happen. Uh, there was a tremendous waiting period there. That's a decade. That's a season of your life where God is getting him ready for what he's going to do next. Same thing with David. David is anointed as king, and then he has to wait decades before he can finally be king. Same thing with Joseph. Joseph has this dream. He's going to be, you know, uh, have everybody bow down to him. He tells his brothers, they end up trying to kill him. And he ends up being falsely accused, imprisoned, all these different things. About 18 years go by before he sees his dream revealed. The dark room is this really difficult time, but it can be a really good time as well, because these are the times that we learn to trust in God. In fact, Joseph says, I knew in that time, God never left me. Paul had to redo his entire theology from Judaism to Christianity. It took time to do that. And in this situation for David, he had to deal with all the demons of his family, all of the issues of, do I serve God or do I serve man? He wrote some of the most beautiful Psalms that we have during that dark room of his life. And so embracing that rather than trying to fast forward out of it through pleasure or just assuming life is awful through pain is the only way we deal with it. No, that's really good. And in your midlife, uh, typically um, it is a time when you hit your, you mm -hmm. have a rock bottom experience. 
You know, you look at what these men have gone through and you look at your own life. And I know speaking for myself, I've had um, I had my rock bottom in my midlife. And the dark room was really real. And for a lot of people at this stage of their lives, you know, we're supposed to be the ones, you know, we have kids, we have people looking up to us, we're leaders in a lot of situations. Uh, it's almost like we're not allowed to be in the dark room. Mm. At the same time, I feel like those struggles keep us in the dark room. That's why a lot of people get, they're extremely lost at this stage of their life. That's when they lose contact with God in a lot of situations. So what would you say to individuals out there going through midlife and they've hit that that rough patch, you know, and they're in the dark room and it's dark as it's ever been? Yeah, I would say that there's there's people out there dealing with that right now. I think about people that are, you know, they log 20 years in a marriage and then it ends and they're kind of stuck in that in-between season. Maybe they've been in a ministry for many years and now it's over and they're trying to figure out what do I do next? Maybe it's a different type of career and they're they're just in that in-between zone. And it's a scary place to be. And it's a place where we begin to try to medicate it's a place where we try to begin to escape. Um, maybe we begin to f- contemplate ending our life, thinking it's over. But the people that we just mentioned, God does his greatest stuff through them in the latter part of their life. Uh, you look at a guy like Moses. You look at a guy like Abraham. I mean, these are people we still talk about today. And the greatest work God did for them through their lives was in their latter stages of life. I think about a guy in our church. John Dietz. Uh, This is a guy that worked at Capitol Records forever, but he led his family so well that even though John is retired now, the impact he's having on his kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids is far greater than the impact he had in his 30s and 40s and 50s when it seemed like he was just doing a day-in, day-out job at Capitol Records making other people famous. I think if you're stuck in that darkroom, whether it's jobs or relationships or whatever, you owe it to yourself to keep moving forward, to do a deep dive on who you are, to figure out, like we talked about in a previous podcast, your inner demons, to ask questions we're afraid to ask. Things like, why do people find me abrasive? What is it I do that makes it hard to work with? To look at somebody and say, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And to begin to collect all of these things. I mean, Brad, you and I are big sports fans, and we talk a lot about basketball and those kind of deals. It's it's interesting to see a coach after he gets fired, and then he's out of the business for a couple years, and then he comes back. And the way that guy coaches differently is huge. I think about Pete Carroll. I mean, this is a guy that was run out of the NFL after he coached the Patriots and the Jets. And then he kind of reorients himself into redefining himself into how he's going to coach. And he comes back at USC and has an illustrious career uh, with the, you know, the the best players money can buy. And that's a joke. Um, And then he goes on to coach with the Seattle uh, Seahawks and they win a Super Bowl, should have won two. But this is a guy that redefined himself in the dark room. Uh, I think about another uh, basketball coach that maybe some of our listeners have heard of, a guy by the name of Tom Crean. Uh, Tom was 
basketball coach at Indiana and got fired. And he took a year to go around and interview other coaches, to talk to former players, to ask people what he needs to learn about himself. And he came back. Now he's coaching at Georgia and he's redefined himself. So I think it's during this season that we have to stay away from consuming ourselves with pleasure or just giving into the pain. And we have to deal with the difficult things of asking, who are we? No, that's good. It reminds me of uh, something Arnold Schwarzenegger said. He said, uh, somebody asked him about, you know, how you, you know, how he got his size and how he got so big. And he said, um, the secret to that was I pushed past the point of no more. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's the, what's the point of no more? And like, well, when I can't do any more pushups, I do 10 more. Mm. When I can't do any more pull-ups, I do 20 more, you know? And so for us in life, I feel like, especially in the midlife stage, you felt like you've been through so much, you know, at the beginning and you hit this and things should be like, you know, on easy street now, but that's when things actually get harder. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you hit this point of where I can't do it anymore. Right. You know, but to your point, I love those examples that you gave because when you realize that you can't control how easy or hard life's going to be or the challenges that come your way, when you realize that you don't even have the right to quit, to give up or quit. Right. Exactly. You have to keep pushing forward. And when you push past that point and no more, the glory is on the other side of that, Mm. on the other side of the dark room. So, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, well, I I remember a pastor said to me one time, and this is a guy that everybody would consider to be incredibly successful. And I looked at his life and I thought, boy, this guy must have always had a good day. And he said, Rusty, I went through some seasons where the only way I could show Jesus I loved him was just to put both feet on the floor and get out of bed. Oh, that's good. Because it was so dark or because I was so depressed or burnt out or tired. And it really is about getting up and going on. I, I heard one lady talk about how the way that she got herself out of depression was to begin by just making her bed every day because it's just the, your first win of the day. Mm. And just that getting out, making the bed tells yourself, I'm not getting back in that till it's bedtime. I'm right. moving on. And I don't know what that is for you. For me, I'm a little OCD, so making the bed, it's kind of a spiritual thing. Uh, but uh, I've, uh, I've always taught our kids, listen, that's your first win of the day. Don't leave your room till your bed is made. And uh, one of them makes it really well. The other one makes it just to get it done. And that's okay. I'm okay with that because right. it's still made. That's right. No, that's, that's good. It, it is about, you know, sometimes just taking one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people who are... You know, there are a lot of individuals who just are made up differently, right? And they different things drive them. They're here for a different purpose. And sometimes you get caught up in the fact that you haven't achieved anything or you feel like, you know, I don't I haven't gotten to where I want to be in life. Um, what do you say to the people who feel like non-performance is, is laziness? Yeah, I, I think we get to those seasons and we're kind of stuck or we're between jobs or we're doing the research on ourselves and it looks like we're not accomplishing a whole lot. Um, accomplishments doesn't always mean um, hard work either. You could have just lucked into something. It could have just happened quickly. Right. Um, you know, I, I think about the jump that we took back in 2011 when we moved into the building and we jumped from 1,500 to 3,500 in a matter of months. And suddenly everybody thought, boy, that was magical. How did that happen? Well, it was an act of God for one, but it was really a lot of hard work before we ever built the building and even moved in the building. 
I mean, the amount of work that had to go on when it seemed like we were just struggling along in a high school or a movie theater, it was all the under the water stuff that nobody really saw to get us in a position to even do that. So just because somebody thinks it's non-performance, I wouldn't say that it's always laziness. Um, I would say that it might just look different than the success that many of us are so prone to praise. No, that's good. That's good. So, um, you know, being in a dark room sometimes has to do with, especially midlife crisis, you feel like you're so caught up on numbers and your age, you know, you feel like you're done. You feel like you've had your chance, you missed your shot, you know, it's over. And even though that could be 100% incorrect, what do you say to people who feel like, you know, life's passing by? Well, okay, let's say for instance, you are stuck out on an island and there is no more career for you, no more people to pour into, nothing left. That is exactly what happened to the Apostle John, and he wrote letters that we're still talking about today. And what I would say is there's always something else you can give. We've all heard stories of people that can, are convicted of horrific crimes. They go to prison, they give their life to Christ, but they're sentenced for life in there. What are they going to do? They start painting. They start writing books for kids. They start uh, using their testimony to help keep other kids from making the same decision they did. There's always somebody to serve. There's always somebody to bless. There's always somebody to help. And for you to begin to find those people and start doing that will often be the quickest way out of your dark room. No, that's good. That's good. And to the control freaks out there, um, a lot of people are trying to control so much of their life that they just don't have the power to control. Right. You know, you can't, you can't, you know, focus and waste all your energy on things you cannot control. If you just keep living Mm -hmm. and if you just assume the best instead of the worst, Mm -hmm. you know, like the verse in the Bible says to be joyful always, Mm -hmm. you know, pray without ceasing, be thankful in all circumstances. If you're just thankful in every single circumstance, Mm -hmm. you know, even the little stuff, I find myself taking my daughter Joy to school and this actually happened when I was taking my daughter Peyton to school, but you know, I was rushing and I had work and I had all these things to do. And I'm like, I dropped her off at school and this and that. And it was like, God said, you know, no, just slow down and, and thank and be thankful for getting the opportunity to take your child to school. Hmm. And it made me feel completely different about just, you know, where I was at, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Perspective and gratitude. Boy, that, that really does uh, change. It changes everything. Just that ability to kind of uh, think through, this is a blessing. This is a gift. And I don't get this for long, so let me embrace it right now and and enjoy it. Right. That's that's good. Well, this has been good, Rusty. I enjoyed our conversation. Oh, always, Brad. Thank you so much. It's so fun. All right. So next week, uh, you'll be leading an interview with Mac Lake. So tell us a little bit about Mac. Mac Lake is a guy that probably a lot of our listeners have not heard of before. If you're in the church world, you may have because he's a bit of a leadership guru, especially with an organization called Exano. Um, he is an amazing leader. He's planted churches, led mission boards, um, leads himself very well, leads a great organization as well. And he's been helping our church over the past year develop what we call a leadership pipeline, which is giving people leadership skills that help them get from point A to point B and really find the best in themselves in that process. And so Mac is going to be on an interview that I'll lead. And I've already done this. I've heard it. It's amazing. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. And so we'll do that next week. 
Well, thanks so much for listening. And as always, you can submit your questions to rgeorge at reallifechurch.org. And please share this with a friend. Brad, thank you so much. And we'll talk to everyone next week.